Stella. Sunny Stella. Running amidst the trees. Who's there? I said as I stood in my head. And nobody answered me. This is Bruce. This is John. And this is Blix. Welcome again to the Fringeworthy Podcast. This week we're talking about the far past, adventuring in the far past. And when we're talking about far past, we're talking about what, Blix? Dinosaurs. Ah, right. The age of dinosaurs. Of course, this is only one version of the far past, but here we're going really far past because it's, what, 65 million years ago is the so-called age of the dinosaur? That or earlier. On our world, supposedly a great big huge rock landed and eliminated all the major forms of dinosaurs and turned them into something that we now pump into our cars. In Fringeworthy, since we're allowed to spend a lot of different times in other places and other times and alternate universes, a lot of different things can happen as far as the dinosaur is concerned. But the first possibility, the one that most people think of, is you're going to go to a world and there's going to be dinosaurs there. The most obvious suggestion there is that this is what we refer to as a time-shifted world, where their timeline of the universe on that universe is about 65 million years later than ours, so the dinosaurs are just happening on this Earth, while in our Earth they were like 65 million years ago. So, but as far as the Fringeworthy team's concerned, it's fresh. It's just happening now, and the dinosaurs are looking around and going, huh, what are these strange-looking things that aren't in our world at all, because mammals haven't existed yet. Mm, they're pink, mm, and they're warm. I wonder if they taste good. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would imagine dinosaurs would see us as a tasty treat. I wonder if they would see the Hummer as a tasty treat. That would be far more interesting. Yeah, it's bigger. I can see a T-Rex chewing on a tire, you know, like a dog with a, with a bone. Armored vehicles are an awful lot like a Triceratops with all that armor they've got. I don't know if they necessarily would attack. You know, we assume from the movies you, you watch and everything, you naturally assume that they would just, they see it and they go after it and attack it. I guess the possibility is that a fast-moving vehicle to a predator would set off its chase instinct, but we don't know that for, you know, for sure because, of course, we don't see any dinosaurs around. There are a lot of predators that will not eat anything they don't recognize. Lions don't just attack jeeps as they're driving across the Serengeti. They actually generally lions stay away from people because they're not really part of their food. Whether they've learned to see us as a threat or not, we're not part of their food cycle, so they don't naturally just attack us. Some do, but for the most part, they don't. Usually it's only the sick lions that actually attack human beings. Yes. T-Rex had the biggest sinus cavity of any dinosaur ever existed, so he can smell and go, what is that? Ain't hey, food, it's, I don't know what it is, but I'm staying away from that. It wouldn't smell good. It's diesel exhaust. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's diesel exhaust with some mammals. 
And it's Benson, Hedges, Old Spice, right. uh, lava soap on our hands from doing maintenance on the vehicle. We probably smell more like a plant to him than an animal because we don't have that musky smell. We have this perfumed, you know, compared to other animals. I'm sure after we've been out in the wild for a while, we smell pretty bad. But humans tend to be more hygienic, so they wouldn't have that nasty, pungent, musty smell that they generally tend to like. Right. We smell like pine. Right. Because all the air fresheners inside the vehicles are pine, right? Yeah. T-Rex has a pretty big energy budget. He's not going to go after a human being, which will probably burn more calories off than he'll get by eating one of us. So T-Rex probably won't really attack us if we him off. Raptors, however, would go, oh, you're just the right size for us. That would be the main worry. It's not the big dinosaurs. It's the small dinosaurs you have to worry about. There's lots of dinosaurs that are only like six foot tall. Plenty of them were predators. Even the ones that were Diplo, whatever's. But Diplocus was with the plant eater. Right. They're plant eaters, but they might have a large herd instinct. And when we come walking into view with our eyes set close together like a predator, they might very well treat us as if we were a predator and attack us as a herd defense. Yeah. Oh, because we smell funny. That's true. Smell funny again. As much as Spielberg loved to have giant raptors, they were giant raptors. Real raptors are probably about half the size they were in the movie. And they would still kill us. Oh, yeah, they still kill us. They still have six-inch claws. Yeah. <laughs> six, they still have six-inch switchblade toe. I think I remember reading somewhere that they found bigger raptors. The, the dinosaurs that we know about are only a small fraction of the ones that would have existed. So there could be a raptor nine foot tall. Who knows? There, there could have been easily. Right. So here we have a team that goes through the portal, a fairly dense jungle, because we always assume that it's a dense jungle. We may not realize that it is, in fact, a dinosaur-type world. We go driving through with our vehicles and start setting up our tents, and we'll find ourselves fairly amazed that our ripstop nylon tents with the little pop-up kind of things, they really aren't going to protect us against uh, dinosaur predators. No. This dinosaur comes along and he sees this, this pop-up tent and it smells funny. And he might just walk right on past it thinking, well, that's really odd. Or he might be scared of it. He doesn't know what it is. You notice when a dog sees something that's completely alien to him, generally they steer clear of it. If it's a really good predator, they might come back to observe. If you're camping out at night, build a fire. Animals are afraid of fire. Doesn't matter how big they are. You have a fire going, they're going to go and say, "Well, that's fire. Stay away from that," and they'll stay away from that. What you're suggesting, Blix, is that instead of this being some kind of Stephen King monster in the mist Holocaust kind of situation where you go through and you start walking around, and you start hearing a clicking, rumbling sound, and the next thing you know, the guy next to you has lost his head at the shoulders. You're saying that most of these things would give us a wide berth because we're so alien to them because of our smells and because of our sounds and chemicals that we have on us that they would naturally be wary of us and, and keep away. Yes, absolutely. But not, not all of them, of course, and you can only push it so far. But I think a good majority of the predatory dinosaurs, at least not the ones that are huge, so huge, in fact, that they wouldn't begin to fear us. I don't know. I just, I just know that from watching a lot of Animal Planet and reading about animals and their, and their habits, even sharks, for the most point, most of your shark attacks, I think over 90% of them, when sharks bite people, it's what's called an investigation bite. They take a bite and they go, oh, yeah, I'm not really interested in you, and they swim away. It's actually quite rare that sharks are actually man-eaters. It's the same thing with tigers, with lions. 
Alligators rarely ever eat anybody. Crocodiles are very aggressive and predatory, so they tend to attack people. But it's not usually because we're in their food chain. It's, it's because they're, they're protecting their territory. Now, that's something you'd have to watch out for. I hadn't even thought of it. Ter- territory might be a big deal. The biggest man-killer in Africa is what? Malaria. The hippo. The hippo has killed more people than lions or other hunters. They don't eat meat. They're vegetarian. Exactly. They kill, they kill because they're predatory. See, there's a predatory thing again. No, no, they're, they're, they're uh, territorial. territorial. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Territorial. Well, I'm glad you brought up the sharks because uh, the shark actually has been around since the time of the dinosaurs. Oh, true, yeah. It's quite possible that we would actually see animals that we're familiar with because they were new back then, but they're still in existence today. And and what you said about sharks is that there are hundreds of, if not thousands of pictures of sharks swimming right next to swimmers, and nobody knew that there was a shark there. Stayed underwater, he went swimming around, he was curious, and then he swam away. Most of these animals are not as dangerous as our common fiction would like us to believe. So a tasting bite from a Tyrannosaurus Rex would probably be the last thing you ever had happen to you. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. That would be the end of that. It would be hard for a Tyrannosaurus to take a nibble that would qualify as a nibble to us. Well, you might just taste one of us and go, no, you guys don't taste so good. An arm wouldn't even be a taste. It would be like sticking a toothpick in your mouth and, sure. and saying, yeah, yeah, okay, that tastes like nothing. So, yeah, they'd probably just take a big snack of one of us and say, you know, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, it's, uh... it's greasy. It's, extra, it's really greasy. I don't like this. Yuck. <laughs> well, as you said, we probably have all kinds of weird smells. I mean, I wash my hair. I've got all kinds of weird smell in my hair. And if you're in the jungle, you're afraid of gigantic insects or just regular insects. So you've got DEET all over you. And if you've ever tasted DEET, it tastes terrible. Awful. Yeah, so I can imagine that most animals would just really be like, ah, I don't want any of that. And don't forget, folks, for breeze works as a great dinosaur repellent, too. <laughs> breeze, there you go. Just being clean, as you said, is a real deterrent to most animal attacks because it confuses them. We don't smell like anything that they're used to. An ancient person, they didn't wash. And if they did wear clothing, it was a poorly cured hide of an animal, which we got our oils all over, not to mention our pee and other types of things. And so generally, uh, we reeked. I mean, not only are we reeked, but everything that was common to us reeked. So it wasn't hard for an animal to say, hey, that smells like a human being. But then we walk in with our 21st century bathing every day washing our hands with uh, sanitizing solutions and whatnot, and we would be terribly confusing even to a modern animal, I would think. That would be your other melee weapon, axe, spray on. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right, right. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, (laughs) But now we should talk about the benefits of being in one of those times and some of the challenges you might face other than the dinosaurs and the obvious dinosaur challenges. So it could be over there. We're there to capture a live dinosaur and bring them back. Yeah, well, game be, hunting. Right. But, but you know what would be an interesting type of game hunting that, that you might not consider would be to get a cockroach because they were there then and they're here now. And it would be nice to be able to test uh, a roach from that time and compare it to a roach today and see what has actually changed on a on DNA level. Has a roach actually evolved? Right. <laughs> Roaches are mainly in, in jungles and so forth, so if you go to a jungle, 
Just leave your pack out for half an hour and then pick it up and you'll come home with a bunch of roaches. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you could be right, especially if you open up a food package or something. Yeah. But, no, but you're right. Going to another world, most of the time you're not just doing random exploration. You know, you're there with a purpose. The default reason for exploration in Fringeworthy is usually to look for high technology. Now, why would there be high technology on a world full of dinosaurs? Why would there be? Yes. Oh, if there were aliens there? Oh, that's a possibility. You know, there's always the possibility that a world you go to actually has been uh, visited by another intelligent species. For all we know, that there's intelligent dinosaurs. Look at uh, hominids. We don't fossilize really well. The total number of hominid fossils sits in the back of a Ford pickup truck. So just imagine how many fossils we found of the intelligent dinosaurs. None. So it's possible that there may be actually a dinosaur civilization that we never knew of way back when and where the first ones to find it. You could even have where there was no mass extinction 65 million years ago, and the alternate isn't an alternate temporal, it's just an alternate current. It's today. It's geographical. There you go, right, yeah. Yeah, there's no chicklip crater, therefore there's no massive die off of the dinosaurs. I have to point out, it was in the news uh, last week, some paleontology reported that he found what looks like an enclave of dinosaurs in North America that survived 11 million years past the Chicklip event. There's actually a lot of speculation that was one of the major contributing factors to the dinosaurs being wiped out, but that it was sort of a catalyst to set off other things, changing the environment, but that possibly there were diseases that spread because the environment changed. The Deccan traps in, in uh, India, a massive volcanic eruption that was dumping ash in the atmosphere and changing the environment. There was land bridges forming letting dinosaurs move from one continent to another and bringing diseases with them. And there's, a, and there's some controversy also over whether or not Chicxulub actually did kill dinosaurs or not. Some geologists and some paleontologists have been looking at things saying, if what you described happened, we wouldn't have frogs and turtles. They'd be dead too. Mm. So there's been some controversy whether or not Chick's Loop actually was the smoking gun or was just the coup de gras. But regardless, whatever happened 65 million years ago, we would say didn't happen or didn't happen to that scale. Uh, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe it happened at a much smaller scale, which caused the remaining dinosaurs to get pressured into uh, an, an evolutionary state, and maybe it changed geography some so that a certain dinosaur moved into a new environment. He started to develop differently, much the same way the simians did into humans, and, and he be, they, you know, an intelligent society formed. I read a story one time that was called The End of the Dinosaurs. So people went back in the time machine to, to see what had happened. When they got there, they found out the whole place was overrun by intelligent lizards who had guns. Oh, who had essentially done what we did to the uh, buffalo in the Old West. They just went on a killing spree for sports, shooting down all the big dinosaurs, until finally there was none of the big dinosaurs left, and then they destroyed themselves in some you know, sociological cataclysm or something. And that's why there's no dinosaurs, but there would still leave turtles and frogs and things like that. Right. Uh, some hypothesized, what would an intelligent dinosaur look like? So they took a dinosaur that actually had the biggest brain so far we have found, uh, Troodon, and created a uh, dinosauroid. Oh, look at that guy. Oh, looks like, he looks like a sleeve stack. Yeah, or gray. If, he, if, he, if his eyes were darker, he'd be a gray, wouldn't he? Sure, sure, yeah. That's pretty awesome. For all we know, 
Braves are actually intelligent dinosaurs from another dimension showing up and, and screwing around with us. Or, or maybe they left when the uh, mass extinction was coming because they saw it coming, and they're coming back to see what happened. If they left on any kind of a spaceship and they're using sublight travel, it might very well take them an eon before they can come back. Yeah, perhaps they went somewhere that took them, you know, 32 and a half million years to get there, and this is their trip back. Well, you get near the speed of light, it may not even take that long for them, but it, for, oh, you're right, yeah. from the outside, it would seem that long. Right, right. So. Yeah. There was a, a science fiction story about that, where they came back in a large uh, colony, uh, slowboat ship, but it turned out they weren't the ones who built the slowboat ship. It was actually built by aliens, and they were just passengers on board. Humans were picked up on, on this pat, on this flyby and thrown in with the, with the, with the dinosaurs. And uh, hilarity, hilarity ensued afterwards. Yeah, but the, but the only the one one little caveat to all that is that. If it happened, if, if something like that were to have happened, it would have to have happened somewhere that got washed out under sea or, or maybe Antarctica, maybe that landmass, because even if the tools and stuff that they used, because they would have generated a massive amount of garbage and tools and stuff that would have either shown up or impressions, impressions would have shown up. Well, it depends on how high their technology got. Now, if they got as high as we have... Well, I was talking about building a spaceship and leaving Earth and coming back. Oh, I'm just saying, it would have to be like, maybe that's something we'd find on Antarctica or, or land a piece of a land that, that subsided underneath the continental plate or something like that. Well, 65 million years is a really long time, enough to grind almost anything into dust. Right, right. Well, I'm yeah. just saying that we would have probably found some kind of impression or, or I mean, like... Maybe we have. Yeah. Maybe these, these iron mines were digging through our what's remained of its dinosaur city. It's gotten squeezed and molded and now it's iron ore now. Oh, that's where you throw in the uh, controversy type game where, you know, the government's covering it up. <laughs> right. Well, all these are possible, and, and we want everyone out there listening to realize that you can do any flavor of this that you want in your Fringeworthy game, because these are all alternates. One world, it may be one way. The next world, it could be just totally different. You can have, like, hundreds of dinosaur-type worlds with hundreds of reasons why the dinosaurs are there. Another way that there could be technology in a world that's, that's a dinosaur is they could be refugees, from the fringe past because of the Temelern War with the Meller. They're an uh, old Commonwealth race that either this is their home world or they're, like, like Bruce said, ref refugees. They've went and moved in mass to another world, and there they are. So you never know. A lot of worlds are, are were set aside as like big game hunting or vacation-type worlds, but I'm sure that they were supported by the big system with all its ability to bring anything that they wanted to them. Now the big system has fallen, and all they have left is their ability to work with what's available in the world, which might be next to nothing, just some structures that over time would easily be eroded. But even so, if you're going to that world you're, and you're looking for technology, one of the ways that you would find technology would be if they were either on the remains or on the still-living people that descended from people who have fled or been trapped on the world as a result of the Meller to Meller conflict. And we have included at least one sort of dinosaur race, the uh, Tizil, are arguably could be either a dinosaur race or because I think aren't they cold blooded though? They're lizard like, certainly. Dinosaurs probably the small ones definitely were warm blooded. The bigger ones may have been lukewarm blooded. So they're Tizil were probably from farther back. 
the predecessors to the dinosaurs, probably. So if you had an alternate world, you could have a system where you could go out to another planet, and this alternate Venus is habitable, and maybe Venus has dinosaurs on it, and then people from Earth are visiting Venus, and they've set up a base camp, much like the story, The Sky People, where your adventurers would go to the alternate and find out that humankind had colonized Venus, or at least has a colony on Venus, and maybe even Mars or whatever, and then you could go out to the planet, you know, take a portal right right to Venus, and come out and you know, visit around this this uh, Venusian colony. You're you're adventuring around where there's dinosaurs, just like you can imagine in the movies. But there's also a base set up there. You know, you have your your technology port, and and you have people who know what's going on, and they've already established um, a system where you can stay safely and eat, and and then explore. The, the novel that uh, Blix is referring to is uh, the Sky View by S. M. Sterling. Available through uh, Amazon.com if you want to go shopping. It'll be in the show notes. So we're we're talking more along the lines of a uh, parallel universe where physics or the history might be somewhat impossible in relation to our own world. So you mm-hmm. could have a, a world, for example, that where Venus, as you said, was uh, not uh, super hot, but in fact, right. what was the the jungle of Edgar Rice Burroughs and such. Correct. So in the uh, novel, and this is actually not a giveaway because it's actually it's mentioned in the first few chapters, is that the Venus in the Essence String stories, it's a jungle planet, what, like 100 meters down? Then it's Venus, our Venus, after that. Like someone came along and scooped up the top of Venus and put another world on top of it. That's one of those precursor worlds. Could be a perfectly good Venus that, that someone came along and changed it into a agorized pearl Venus for fun. Yeah. Right. But what you're talking about, Blix, is a really big adventure because you've got the prime world, and if you're going to places like Venus and such, you're going there off of the system platform. They probably have some kind of inter-system travel and other things, or maybe some means of magical teleportation. So you're really suggesting a really big type of adventure, and we want to encourage uh, players to do that sort of thing because I really think that primes really should have big stories attached to them. And it could potentially be the Victorian Earth is just like that, where they have a, you know, egg rice, pearls, Mars, and Venus. But that's the topic for another, for another show. You can get really creative with, with all this. I mean, you, you even have another alt, another type of alternate. Um, and this would be sort of like, I guess this would be kind of an other, because you'd have to break a few rules of physics to do this. But journey to the center of the Earth, where you go down into the Earth, and there's a whole, you know, like, like the Warlord comics, um, or... or, or Pedicular, Pellucidar. Pellucidar, that's what I'm looking for. The, the Burroughs, another Burroughs story, where you actually go down to the center of the earth and there's dinosaurs there. That's that's a whole other angle you can take with the whole dinosaur thing. Right, it's a hollow earth story. Right, that's, that's yeah. what I'm looking for, hollow earth. Yeah. Uh, which is a, also another great role-playing game available out there. Is there a D20 version of it? No, hollow earth is a totally their own unique system. Okay, but is there a hollow earth D20? Oh, there probably is a hollow earth. Well then, see, by playing Friendsworthy D20, you can play that one. Just go buy that book and then bring it in and play it. Uh, There's a D20 Mars book, I know. Right. Yes, yes, there is. D20 Mars, that's right. I've seen it. 
There's D20 steampunk. There's D20 pretty much everything out there because people got on the bandwagon back in the early days of D20 to come out with all these conversions. So you as a player of D20 Modern Fringe really have all these resources. So feel free to, to go out and add them into your game. Don't don't just be limited to just to the fringeworthy uh, D20 manual. There's, yeah, there's plenty of uh, modules out there to work from, and probably a lot of uh, D20 conversions people have done. I've seen a few for for dinosaurs. You have to be kind of uh, liberal in your definition of how well they've done their D20 conversions. Um, some of them try to make uh, T-Rex really bulletproof when he's not. Dinosaurs uh, could probably be taken down with a, with a standard hunting rifle uh, with well-placed shots. Right. Well, you were talking to me uh, uh, about a week ago, John, and you said that the T-Rex actually has uh, a very muscular head and a really big heart, which means that the T-Rex is as scary as they are or actually have a lot of good places to shoot them if you want to take them down. That's correct. If you use uh, hypervelocity rounds and you shoot them in the head, the, the hydrostatic shock will pulverize his brain. What kind of round is that, John, again? Hypervelocity. Um, so what kind of weapon would fire that sort of thing? Oh, a steel jacket, uh, armor-piercing uh, 50 cal would do it. So, so would, like, uh, any of the big game hunting rifles do the same thing? Oh, yeah. Weatherby, yeah. Weatherby would do the same thing, too. Actually, Weatherby would be more for shooting at the heart. The round would then mushroom. It would be a hole about the size of a... Um, quarter going in and it'll be the size of a basketball going out and that's going to hurt anyone he hits and and what about uh, shotguns with deer slugs and things like that i wouldn't put much faith in that a deer slug doesn't have the propellant behind it like whether it be does with a nitro express round okay well good to know, two different things. Good to know. i didn't know that yeah. <laughs> two different things I, i'm not the uh, expert in weapons that some people who play this game are and I just go by whatever stats are in the in the manuals in the previous editions. Oh, I wish I had my books in front of me. I think they actually do cover something like a Weatherby or a, or a, a big caliber weapon. Uh, basically, it's designed to take down elephants with one shot. So if it, take, if it could take an elephant down one shot, it could probably take down a T-Rex in one, maybe two shots. I want to touch on one thing. This is not exactly dinosaurs, but it is. I mean, it, it fits the same vein as. Uh, don't forget about the megafauna of uh, 50 million years ago up until about 50,000 to uh, 15,000, depending on the area you're in. You had giant uh, carnivorous birds. You had uh, the the giant sloth. There was um, a creature called a. a I, think it was, I believe it was called a bear dog. Dire wolves and dire wolves were real. They really, they really did exist. They're not just a token thing. There's that warthog thing. Uh, basically, was what pigs evolved from. There was a big dog-like creature. They said it was. Oh my god, this thing was like nine foot at the shoulders. It was like this super hunter. It was the biggest mammal that would have ever lived. Giant sloths are interesting in that they actually have found them mummified down in South America, right? and they actually have a bony hide. They have fur and bony spines in the hide, such that they actually are, well, bulletproof up to a certain level. If you think you can take, take them out with a regular rifle, no. The bullets are going to bounce off. Those sloths, were, while slow, were so dangerous because they had claws, eight-inch claws, that they were, if you threatened them, they could definitely use them to defend themselves with. 
And being bulletproof means they're kind of hard to kill. I think there were some larger lizards too, like the like the Komodo dragon, but but bigger. But I can't remember. But there was some kind of uh, a giant iguanodon, maybe was the name of it. Oh, well, iguanodon's dinosaur. No, it maybe it wasn't iguanodon, but there was there was a a giant iguana, which was part of the megafauna series. He wasn't a dinosaur. And the terror birds really only existed during the early years. Yeah. Uh, terror birds were on every continent except for one, which was, I think, was China. I, I think that mainly had to do with the fact that the terror birds were, in, were ground nesters because they couldn't fly, and I think the mammals ate, uh, yeah. pretty much ate their eggs right out of their nest, which pretty much wiped that them too, out. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, anyway, just the point of the matter is it doesn't have to be dinosaurs. I mean, we're talking about dinosaurs, but if you want to get into the megafauna, that can be just as much fun because they're, they're just as nasty. Saber-toothed tigers. Oh, yeah? yeah. Smile it on. Yeah. Right. Just because we're talking about a world in which there's dinosaurs, it doesn't mean that the entire world is a sweating jungle. There's just as many theories about it being like the African belt or there could be deserts. There could be all kinds of different in environments where you'd have one kind of dinosaur and a totally different kind of layout of dinosaurs somewhere else. So a single world, which is why I was talking about primes and with their eight portals, could actually have many different kinds of adventures because of the different environments in which they could go to. Oh, yeah, there are dinosaurs that actually lived above the Arctic Circle and survived the six months of, uh, or three or four months of, of darkness just fine. There was a, as many terrains as you can imagine. The one thing that will be different until you get to like about 70 million to 68 million years, there's no grass. Right, I was going to mention that. Yeah, there's no grass. Dirt or shrubbery or ground or ground covering plants, but there's no grass. Grass doesn't come into being until like about 70 million years, along with flowering plants. Right. And that's another major change. And you also never thought why dancers died out because they couldn't eat the new plants that were being developed. Well, many plants have very strong defenses on them. You talk about the fauna being dangerous, there could be some very aggressive plants back then, too. Oh, yeah. yeah plants have, they have died out because, well, they, they don't have their food supply no more. I mean, there's no dinosaurs falling into their moths anymore. <laughs> and plus, you can make stuff up. I mean, it, it, let's, let's face it, you're probably going to be on an alternate of some kind or another, and there's no reason why you can't make stuff up. You want to make a man-eating plant that snatches people up off the ground? That's fine. If there's no reason why it couldn't exist. It's, it's pretty improbable, a plant with a high mobility, but not impossible. You could run into plants that excrete an, an acid that could spray people, and the person you know falls over, and then the plant is actually part of a big root structure, and the plant itself that you see doesn't eat you. It's it's the uh, the root fibers coming up to the ground that, that dissolve you over time. It's all kinds of nasty stuff that you could have. And the Tamellers were bioengineers. Who knows what kind of project somebody might have decided to do on a world using some of that godlike to biotech. If you really want to get a weird world, the uh, Fred Flintstone universe. Well, yeah, that's true. Where, where people... Right? <laughs> I guess if you wanted to. I was thinking, I mean, yeah, you could go crazy with it. Like, you could even do, like, a fantasy world but and have different dinosaurs as different, you know, representing different races, you know, like a... Like a uh, yeah, T Rex would be like ogres, and and you know raptors would be like elves. T Rexes are dragons. Okay, T Rexes are dragons. <laughs> you could shrink all the dinosaurs down to people size, and and give them different roles that you would see, like say in another game. For, I mean, for fun, that could just be something you could do just for the heck of it. So you're possibly multiple sentients on that world. 
Sure, why not? I'm not saying that it's probable. I'm just saying that if you want to get crazy, I mean, you said Fred Flintstone, you could do that as well. So that old Jim Henson TV show, uh, what was it, Dinosaurs? Yeah, it was called Dinosaurs, wasn't it? Where it was just like that, where the, all the dinosaurs are basically people who live at home and they have a nine-to-five job. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen that. Because see, there's lots of different things we could do with dinosaurs, and of course, dinosaurs could be mixed with any other type of adventure too. If you want to do a straight-on dinosaur adventure, it's easy enough to find some primordial type world that's either been created by the Tamelarn or exists through a variety of various things. But if you want a, a different one, where some of the dinosaurs are intelligent, some of them are not, it's all there. It's all good. Hope you'll enjoy doing some dinosaur adventures, and you'll post on our forums at www.tritaggamers.com and tell us what you did. This is Bruce Sheffer from Atlanta saying, remember, there are millions of worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John from Seattle, and remember, keep your powder dry and keep those cards and layers coming in. And this is Blix. Remember, don't shoot the portals. They shoot back.